Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, today the author of the Gospel according to Matthew takes us up a big mountain, invites us into a true mountaintop experience. It's not unusual in the scriptures that when God reveals God's self to humanity, it happens on a big mountain, the most famous of which might be Mount Sinai, where Moses experienced God as profoundly as Jesus did in today's story, and where Moses received the Ten Commandments, our way of life from God. And it was on the mountain above the Sea of Galilee that Jesus taught his disciples with what we know as the Sermon on the Mount to teach us in our discipleship how to love our enemies, to turn the other cheek, to welcome the stranger and relieve all who are oppressed. And it was on the Mount of Olives near Jerusalem where Jesus, knowing the day of his death was near, pleaded that God might remove that cup from him but prayed ultimately only that God's will would be done. Today's mountaintop is the story of the transfiguration, where Jesus was transformed before his disciples in plain view. In all three of the synoptic gospels, that is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of them record this story, telling us its central place in the good news story of our salvation. The story begins six days later, begging the question, what happened six days before? Well, if we look just a few verses back, we'll find that Jesus has just predicted his passion, his journey to the cross where he will die. He, he speaks this in troubling detail so much that Peter, his faithful disciple, replies, God forbid this, Lord. That must never happen to you. And from Jesus, we hear maybe his most sharpest rebuke. Get behind me, Satan, Jesus says to Peter. You're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And the path of God will not be easy, and it may not be safe, but it will be good, and it will lead to transformation. Then Jesus tells his disciples that if they truly want to be his followers, they too must take up their cross and follow him. So it's with this very sobering news that Peter, James, and John follow Jesus up that mountain. And it's no wonder that when that epiphany occurred, when Jesus was transformed, when they, the disciples see Moses and Elijah, these long-dead prophets of the one true God, all in conversation, Peter wants to preserve all of it. Let's build shelters for you, Lord, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. In other words, Peter's saying, let's keep you here. Let's keep you safe. Let's keep us all safe right here. This is too wonderful. Down there is not so much. It's not so safe, and it certainly is not certain. So let's have this last forever. I wonder if you've had your own, what you might call, mountaintop experiences. 
moments that you wish would last forever. They maybe were literally on top of a mountain where you beheld God's majesty, where in the clear air you received a message from God that you are truly loved and that you belong, and you felt a warmth beyond your wildest imagination, maybe some ecstasy, maybe more joy than you've ever known. Or maybe through a most serendipitous exchange with a stranger, you receive goosebumps on your neck and your arms. That could be called the mountaintop experience, where the holy showed up. Why can't those last forever? forever? Those experiences, whether bold or subtle, why can't we stay safely in those moments, feeling that feeling, having that reality for the rest of our lives? If you come to my house and take my well-worn copy of the book, The River Why, by David James Duncan, it would probably automatically open to page 277. The bottom paragraph is underlined, the page is dog-eared, and it is worn out. When I was 24 years old, while reading that book, I had what I would call a mountaintop experience. I felt so overwhelmed by God's love and a new understanding of God's presence. It was palpable. I felt myself being lifted up. I was perplexed. I was in awe. I wondered what this meant. And like Peter, I wanted to stay on that mountaintop. I wanted to keep reliving it and refueling that elation, that moment of transformation of my heart. And I returned to those two paragraphs again and again, like a drug, trying to relive that experience. But it was never quite the same. Because I, like Peter, James, and John, like all of us, we are not meant to stay on the mountain. Bill Wilson was a young adult living in the 1930s. He was an alcoholic who could not get sober. And he shares the day an old friend of his knocked on his door, a friend who used to be a drinking buddy. And this friend sat down and shared with Bill his story of overcoming the effects of alcoholism, not by his own power, but because one day he was open and he fully surrendered his life to a loving God of his understanding. As he was dying in body, mind, and spirit, He found relief in trusting in a higher power. And what Bill saw in his friend, now sober, was a new man with skin fresh and glowing. And Bill listened to his friend as his friend explained what happened about his willingness to accept a love and a power to help him overcome his problems. And Bill's friend had not had a drink since. Bill himself had always believed that there was a greater force in the world, a good one, but he was of the intellectual type. And his heroes were scientists and evolutionists who kept unfolding new understandings that there was a power greater than humanity. But Bill quickly became irritated with any of the religious types who tried to tell him that this God had any concern for him at all that this God was personal and that loved him as he was and wanted him to be free of his own disease of alcoholism. 
So this man was a miracle who sat before Bill. And Bill experienced an opening to something new as he himself was dying in body, mind, and spirit from his addiction. Bill said, I felt a movement from the icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I had lived and shivered for many years. And I stood in the sunlight at last. He became convinced in a moment that God is concerned with us humans and that we need only want that concern for ourselves. Prejudice and closed-mindedness fell from Bill. A new world came into view. He said, I felt lifted up as though the great clean wind of a mountaintop blew through and through my life. And God had come to him, and Bill never drank again. And like his friend who came to visit him, who knew that in order to keep that experience and that new life, he had to give it away. Bill, too, knew he had to give it away. And in a moment of great temptation to drink while traveling, he found himself in the hotel bar, and he knew what he had to do. He got on the phone in the hotel lobby and he called churches and hospitals looking for other people suffering from this ravaging disease of alcoholism. And he went to those people and he talked to them and he told them his story so that he might keep his own transformation. And through helping others, others were transformed. And today we know all of this is Alcoholics Anonymous. One drunk helping another, one addict helping another millions of times over every day, all across the world, today. Bill could not stay on his mountaintop, reveling in that transformation. He would surely have picked up a drink again, had he tried to hold on to it like another drug. He had to come down. He had to find others. He had to show others the door that would lead them to a God that loved them too. Jesus had to come down that mountain. He had to finish the earthly call on his life. The disciples with him then and us today, we have to come down from the mountain. But it's scary. Peter, James, and John knew that suffering and death awaited them if they were truly following their Lord. But the mountaintop experience would stay with them and remind them of the glory they experienced on that mountain, that sign that death would never triumph over life, that the end of the story is life eternal. As Jesus listened to his heavenly parent, we hear God say to us about the Son, Jesus Christ, this is my beloved Listen to him, and you will know all newness and hope. And Jesus on that mountain, aglow in God's glorious light, says to those disciples who are afraid, Get up. Don't be afraid. And now let's go down this mountain, because we've got work to do. We need to show and tell others who are looking for the pathway up a mountain who are looking for the door. Samuel Moore Shoemaker was an Episcopal priest in the early 1900s in New York City. And he writes about this 
path of discipleship poetically. He says we do need to come down and show others. He writes, I stand by the door. I neither go too far in nor stay too far out. This door is the most important door in the world. It is the door through which folk walk when they find God. There's no use my going way inside and staying there when so many are still outside and they, as much as I, crave to know where the door is. Today, we have the joy of welcoming new members into this body of Christ, reminding us all perhaps how we first came to Knox Church or any church in our life and took that deeper step of membership. We come into this place to be nurtured, to be challenged by the gospel, even to have our lives interrupted by it. This gospel, which has a very simple message, but one that is not easy to live out, certainly not by ourselves. And if we are paying attention to the life of Christ, we will see how the gospel is an affront to much of the way of the life the world teaches, to our systems which invite us to spend our time and money and attention in one way for our self-preservation, to secure our future, our comfort, our control. All the while the gospel invites us to something quite different. All who want to come after me must say no to themselves, Jesus said. They must take up their cross and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them. But all who lose their lives because of me will find them. So we come into the doors here, but we have to go back out. We climb mountains with God, but we have to come down so we can show others who have not yet found their way inside or up that mountain. And how do we go and show and tell? Mother Teresa of Calcutta, now Saint Teresa, prayed, O oh Christ, let me preach you without preaching, not by words, but by example, by the catching force, the sympathetic influence of what I do, the evident fullness of the love that my heart bears for you. So friends, today, as we look around inside these walls and outside those doors, who needs to know how to find the door? Who are the frightened, the disheartened, the tempest-tossed? Who are the tired, the poor, the homeless? Who are those yearning to breathe free? Those who know plenty of the world's suffering. Those who need to find the door to God. Those who need that healing touch of Christ. Those who need the Christ light to illumine their path. To understand that God is Emmanuel, always with us. Pastor Marietta Anschutz speaks of the transfiguration of Jesus that leads to our transformation. She says, This moment is that point at which God says to the world and to each one of us that there is nothing we can do to prepare for or stand in the way of joy or sorrow. We cannot build God a monument 
we cannot keep God safe. We also cannot escape the light that God will shed on our path. We cannot escape Emmanuel among us. God will find us in our homes, in our workplaces. God will find us when our hearts are broken and when we discover joy. God will find us when we run away from God and when we are sitting right in the middle of what seems like hell. So friends, listen to God's beloved Son who has good news, who says to us, get up, don't be afraid. I am with you. You are mine. May this be our good news today. Thanks be to God. Amen.